This is The Adoption Wait, a podcast brought to you by Adopting.com. I am your host, Lacey Richter, author, business owner, and a mom of two through domestic infant adoption who has endured the adoption wait five times over. Hello, and thank you for joining the Adoption Wait podcast. Today's guest is Becky Fawcett. Becky is an adoptive mother and the founder and president of HelpUsAdopt.org. HelpUsAdopt.org is a national financial grant program that helps couples and individuals, regardless of ethnicity, gender, marital status, race, religion, or sexual orientation, with the cost of their adoptions. And we all know that adoptions can be very costly. So hello, Becky, and welcome to the Adoption Wait podcast. Lacey, I'm so grateful to be here today. Um, I'm so grateful that you are taking time out of your busy day uh, to be with us. So I met Becky online and we had a fantastic conversation and became fast friends in our pre-interview. And sometimes I wish that I recorded those sessions because <laughs> I learned so much and they're just a great podcast on their own. Uh, but today, Becky and I are going to talk about her adoption weight, of course, and how her experiences led her to create HelpUsAdopt.org, which has provided 608 adoption grants totaling over $5.69 million since 2007. So first, Becky, I want to start where we always start here at the Adoption Wait. I'm going to take you back, and I want you to share with us how you became a parent, how long you waited, and why you adopted. You know, let's first say I'm not good at waiting. Like I joke with my friends, like they could be giving free shoes away at Neiman Marcus and tell me I have to wait in line for three hours and I'm not doing it. Like, I don't like waiting. (laughs) I don't like waiting at restaurants where there's no reservation. I don't like waiting. I just like to go. And um, that's just my personality. So, you know, being infertile and finding out you're not going to be able to do this the old fashioned way, become a mom just sets up a personality like mine for complete disaster. I mean, it it was just, it was a very hard thing because here you're so focused on, I need to become a mom, but then you're like, oh my gosh, I have to do like, I have to manage my mental health here. Like I have to manage how my brain works. And maybe Mm. now at 53, I can do that much better, but I was 31 when all this was going on, I I don't know that I was so good. And back then also they weren't talking about mental health back 20 years ago. They weren't talking about it the same way. So the weight was really awful for me. And the reason that I like to talk about it, and I'm so happy to be here today is I don't think enough of us talk about how bad the weight is. And it's not, I don't, (laughs) I don't talk about it so that people don't adopt. Like it's not a negative thing. It's a your feelings are totally normal and you're allowed to feel like hell right now. And what you should do is reach out and be like, I feel like hell who can talk me through this, who can. And I tell people that all the time. I talk people off the ledge weekly. Yeah, I do. I'm like, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this and blah, blah, blah. So 
long story short, and I don't mean to fast forward, flip through this so quickly to discount how awful it was because your listeners are going, it was awful. I did five (laughs) rounds of IVF. This is resounding with someone. I got pregnant on the first round and I thought to myself, oh, I've dodged the adoption bullet. Oh, that is, it wasn't congratulations, Becky, you're pregnant. I thought I dodged the adoption bullet. Now, before your listeners start tweeting at you and all these things saying, God, that girl is awful (laughs) for saying that. um, I'm talking about real emotions and I'm not the first person to not want to adopt. Okay. And I talk to my girls about it. And my oldest, especially is like, jokes on you, mom, look how all this turned out. Right. Like, and we, but we're open and honest about the feelings of going from infertility and some people can make the jump easier to adoption. And I had struggle with it. And again, I share these feelings because I know I'm not alone and I want to share these feelings. So it helps someone behind me. Um, Yeah. But that pregnancy lasted and ready for this till 16 weeks. It was awful. I thought I was home free after the 12. No one told me that there's a higher risk of second trimester miscarriage with infertility treatments and IVF. No one told me that. I had no idea. Completely caught off guard. Wow. And everybody knew it was awful. And I have a very social job. I was a publicist. So like everybody knew and it was terrible. So fast forward, I did five rounds of IVF. I got pregnant three times. I had three miscarriages at 16 weeks, 12 weeks and 10 weeks. Oh my gosh. Um, It was bad. It was bad. And the agreement with my husband. So my husband wanted to adopt earlier than I do, which is not really the norm. Usually it's the reverse, Um, (laughs) but he hated the IVF. He hated all of it. He did it. Um, But so we, we agreed that after that last round, if it didn't work, we would Mm -hmm. adopt because it was time Mm -hmm. to become a parent. And the funny thing is, and again, I share this with everybody secretly in the back of my head, I thought I'd do it again. Mm -hmm. And when the time came, we can get to that. But when the time came to do IVF again, I realized what being a mother meant and I did not pursue IVF again. I adopted. Well, you had already been through so much loss. And I think sometimes we fast forward through a lot of, um, we fast forward through the loss. So a lot of waiting adoptive parents, they come to adoption from infertility, from the IVF world. Um, They've tried all these things and they have already come through a lot of loss. Yeah. Yeah. And, Mm. you know, I really did also understand, you know, and again, some women really feel the need to be pregnant. That wasn't my thing. That wasn't my thing. (laughs) I wanted to be like everybody else, but the being pregnant was not really my cup of tea. So when it really came down to it after adopting Jane, I got it. Like Mm. it's child. you, You are a mother before like giving birth doesn't make you a mother. What's in here makes you a mother. Your commitment to a child makes you a mother, makes you a parent. Mm. And so at any rate, I had a learning experience, a personal learning experience there. But Jane's adoption was the easiest thing on the planet. But at the time, it really felt like torture. Um, 
we met with her lawyer, the, I'm sorry, our lawyer that we chose in January or February, January of 2005. And Jane mm. was born October, 2005. So it was basically okay. a pregnancy. It was basically a pregnancy, yeah. but at the time yeah. it was, again, I'd been through so much that it was awful. Um, yeah. But it was really smooth. And I was in the delivery room when Jane was born. We still have an open adoption with Jane's birth mother. Um, Jane's middle name is her birth mother's name. Like it is, it is a beautiful, beautiful story. And one that I honestly, if you had told me this before, I would have been like, there's no way all that's going to happen. There's just no way we're not going to, I'm not going to choose that name for my daughter. I'm not going to want this woman in my life. And the joke again is on me that I do want this woman in our lives and she wants to be in our lives. And it's again, a huge learning experience adoption. Um, yeah. But the juicy story that we all want to get to is my second adoption. Hmm. Um, so I moved from Philadelphia to New York city after Jane was born. And that meant that we could not use our Pennsylvania lawyer. And um, because we all know if you're in the middle of adoption and you're moving, you are, there's going to be some obstacles yeah, in your way. There's going to be some obstacles. <laughs> like, up. There was no way to do it. Obviously he's a Pennsylvania lawyer. He's licensed in Pennsylvania. I'm living in New York city. Um, now adoption, as everybody knows, is state by state. It's not federal. And the way adoption works with lawyers in New York was not really my cup of tea. Um, you had, and just to quickly elaborate for your le- reader or your listeners as to why it's because in New York, there is no real room for discussion. You as the adoption adoptive parents must self match. Mm. And I didn't want to do that how many years ago? Brooks 13. So almost 16 years ago, I I still didn't want to do that. Um, And I didn't think I had the budget to hire someone to do it for me. Um, And so we went with an out-of-state agency that was licensed in New York. And so that was very easy, but I landed in a whole new pile of something Um, (laughs) because I didn't do enough homework because my first adoption had been so textbook perfect. I really thought that if you have the money, adoption is adoption and how hard can this be? Mm, And I was handed a mess I walked into a mess. I did it voluntarily. It's my own fault for not asking questions. Um, And it was awful. And I will say this, it was such an awful two and a half year process that had this been my only, had I been childless and this was my first adoption, I, I wouldn't, there's no way. I was so dead at the end of that two and a half years that I had postpartum depression with Brooke, which was how can you have that when you didn't give birth to the child? Well, I did because it had been two years of fighting for this kid to come home. And if I hadn't had Jane at home to remind me of like what I was doing here, I would have might have dropped dead. I mean, it was really brutal. 
Um, so that's interesting about second adoptions. Once you've already adopted yeah. once, um, you kind of think you know what to expect, but you also have this reminder of what it's all worth in the end and what's yeah. it about and why yeah. you're doing it. Um, so in your story, you shared with me about how during that two and a half process, your profile was viewed, I think, 29 times. And you weren't matched, you weren't chosen. And this is actually our topic we're going to dive into today. Today, yeah. How to stay encouraged yeah. when your profile is being shown over and over. And maybe you're even having in-person meetings and you're not being chosen or matched. And I want to talk about this because I think waiting adoptive parents don't have their expectations set right. I know I didn't. Um, the first time we got noticed that our profile was viewed and a birth mom wanted to meet us, I was like, this is it. This is it. I walked away. We felt connected to her. And I was literally shocked when we got the call two days later that she had chosen another family. I'm like, what? How did, how did that happen? You know, so tell me about that part of your experience so, and how you felt. I have a lot of opinions about this. And I, I, I am working on on getting some. I, I, I really do need to do it. I should write this down as for because I know I need to do it. I, I'm working on a document that we will have posted on our website that is okay. quest questions to ask your adoption professionals. And I'm working with certain adoption professionals because they get very angry at me, my friends, when I say that you're secretive that you are withholding information from your clients, that you may have done mm. 6,000 adoptions in your life. This might just be like you get up and go every day, but nine out of 10 times you are dealing with a family that will adopt once and only once because of money. This is a new planet to them. They have no idea what the hell they're about to experience and you don't give them details. And mm -hmm. the flip side is they're like, well, if you have too many details, you question. I go, it's all in how you present it. Come on, you guys are the professionals. So I want to help the world manage these expectations for prospective adoptive parents better so that you know going yeah. in, this is hard and here's why. And these are some questions you can ask Um you know, and they say, we don't want you to know your profile books going out because you might get your hopes up. Well, my hopes mm. are already up. There's no doubt in my mind that this might not work. But so mm. these are the things that get me into trouble when I say these things, but they're all true. They're all true. Yeah. These prospective adoptive parents are left hanging. And that's what makes the weight so awful. I want to shift a little bit now to why birth parents choose families and not oh. knowing why birth parents choose families. So I remember my agency told us, you know, it could be that they want a first time parent. They want their child to have a sibling. They want their child to have a pet or not have a pet. Um, you just never know what the reason is that is going to cause the expected parent to want to connect with you, view your profile. Our oldest daughter's birth mom she told me, and this is such a gift that she told me this, um, that she chose my husband and I because when she looked through our profile, our smiles just looked very genuine. So I know now it's very popular to have um, a professional pictures and a professional profile made. Yeah. And I want to just ask you, like, what do you... Um, 
what are some advice on things you would do if you were making a profile now? What to include, what not to include? Do you have any words on that? Okay, so let me just full disclosure. I did, I took my own pictures, but I did have a profile professionally made. Okay, because back then in 2000, and, so Jane was born in 2005, Brooke was 2009. There weren't all these fans. I guess the websites did exist, but I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. So mm-hmm. back then mm-hmm. I paid, I think it was $750 for someone to make my book and we called it a day. But here's my yeah. thing. When I see books and when you, and, and the thing about me is this, for those who know me, I'm real. I'm so mm-hmm. transparent. Like you might walk away and be like, God, that girl gave me too much information. But like, honestly, <laughs> it's not fit foe. It's not fake. It's not. And it might be too much for you. And you might be like, that girl needs a filter and I'm out. But there's no, no one doesn't get the real Becky Fawcett. And my friends joke about it. They're like, if you want the real Becky Fawcett, there she is. She's out there. She'll message you back, whatever. Um, These books are fake. Like, Mm. you know, I don't want to see you posing, leaning against your sports car. What the hell is that? That doesn't make you a parent. And also (laughs) remember who you're marketing to. Like, I love my children's birth parents. Then like they were on fire. They were in situations that weren't great. Do you think they want to see someone leaning on the car, the hood of a convertible BMW saying, look at our life. That is not, and again, if you did that, great. If you got it, great. I don't agree with that. I think that these relationships start from the truth. We're talking Mm. about a pregnant woman in crisis who may or may not have Mm. a partner in making this decision, choosing where to place her child for eternity. Okay. You know, my, we got a list from our professionals about what kind of pictures. And it was very important that you cook. Well, I don't cook. (laughs) I've never cooked. It's not what I'm good at. I've had a career my whole life. I've had it quite a career. I'm not done yet either on that end, but like I, so I had to ready for this fake a cooking picture. Because I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. And Kip and I were laughing so hard. And I decided to make tacos because it's the easiest thing to make. And there's this pot of meat on the stove. It's disgusting looking in the picture. And there's Becky. You know, it goes in my book. So Jane's birth mother gets this book. And, you know, we realized pretty quickly that we're sort of clicked. And the sign, because everybody looks for signs. Don't tell me that you don't. Everybody looks for signs. Her due date was November 7th, which is my husband's birthday. Mm. And I was like, well, there you go. There you go. Um, (laughs) She was like, you didn't even need to say cook. (laughs) Asked me what I was cooking in the picture of the book. And I go, well, can I tell you? I go, I was making tacos. And I think I threw them away and we went out to dinner. I, I, you know, and she just started laughing because that's, this is who she was choosing to parent her child. That's the life she wanted. She wanted the mom who was like, this looks gross. We're out of here. You know, she didn't want the mom who said like, I'm cooking this meal and you're eating it no matter what, like, you know, and, and then we just started building a relationship. And that's what this is all about. People want to know why I have two healthy adoptees with two open relationships, 13 and 17 years later. And I'm not gonna lie to you. It's a lot of work on my end. 
but it's because we are open and honest about who we all are. And I accept them for who they are and they accept mm -hmm. me for who I am. And we meet in the middle, you know, and yeah. your book should be about you. Like if you love, I don't know if you love Disney, great. But, you know, I was told somehow include Disney in your profile book because every birth mother loves Disney. Well, that's not true. No. And quite frankly, sorry to go against the grain. Disney's not my cup of tea. My kids have gone. Don't, don't tweet at me. My kids have gone. Fears I did the responsible parent thing. But Disney's not my cup of tea. Going to Europe when I can is my cup of tea. Mm. So that's what we talked about. And Jane's birth mother, especially, and Brooke's birth mother, made me make two promises. And they both made me make the same promises, which is so interesting. Mm. College education and travel the world. And every wow. time I get that passport stamped, my heart explodes. Because yes. I love it, but I'm fulfilling my promise to them. And my kids are yeah. getting this life. And, you know, it, it is just one of those things. Be who you are. Okay. Now, if yeah. who you are is sweatpants and Chinese food in the dark, okay, we're going to have to judge that up a little bit because I'm not sure if you're eating Chinese food in the dark. But like, if your favorite thing is getting six orders of Chinese and just passing it around and sharing it, that's a moment. That's a yeah. family moment. Share that. Like, Th these women are choosing you. They want this family for their child and they're looking for a specific environment. Now, the funny reasons I got picked, I could be sisters with Jane's birth mother. Yeah, That was very comforting to her. She's like, you look yeah. like me. And um, yeah. the minute I met her, like I was like, and yeah. Jane is my mini me. Like Jane looks just like me. Like people yeah. don't even believe she didn't come out of my body. It's ridiculous. It's one of those beautiful things about adoption that sometimes works out yeah. that way. Um, sometimes. And she also yeah. loved the fact that we had a chocolate lab and mm -hmm. she grew up with big dogs and that was comforting yeah. to her too. So again, I have a friend whose husband, um, he likes to buy beaten up classic cars and refurbish them in the driveway that is his hobby and then he resells them but I think more than often he keeps them uh, yeah. <laughs> but they got picked because um, their child's birth mother's dad did the same thing and she grew up in a home where the dad was always out in the garage tinkering on his cars and she would go sit in the garage and talk to him like it was a moment so this mm. is what I mean like you know, a lot of these profile people and, and your adoption professionals, and again, they're all going to be mad at me and I don't care. They want you to be who you're not. <laughs> they want you to be who they think birth parents, birth parents want, they want love. They want acceptance. Mm. They want security. And they're looking for a certain thing. Like when, so I'm not very religious. We've talked about this before you and I. And so when the birth mm -hmm. mothers who want your kid to go to church every week, I'm not the mother for that. Yeah. I'm not the mother for that. And and it, you know what? And I don't want to have an open relationship with someone who I'm letting down. Like that wasn't a match for me. And of course they didn't right. pick us. They didn't pick us because of yeah. that. But, you know. And I think the are. message, 
in all of that, yeah, be who you are, be authentic. Don't make promises that you can't keep. Don't yeah. try to be somebody yeah. that you're not. Um, thank you. I love all of that. Um, I want to, you mentioned your career. So right now I want to talk about helpusadopt.org. So tell me the part of your adoption story that led you to create this program. Yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty good story. So, you know, part of the reason everybody wants to know why and when we stopped IVF and five rounds, three pregnancies and three miscarriages is enough in itself. But there was one other thing. We had $40,000 left in our savings account after that last round of IVF. And uh, we were aware and we were aware of what adoption costs. And so that was our we got to change gears because we couldn't risk spending any more money and then not having enough to adopt. And um, so that was it. And then on the day one with our lawyer, we were in his office and he gave us a cost estimate sheet that we both had to sign. And that was so there are no surprises because writing checks for $40,000 is very painful. And he made you promise that at no point you could say, I didn't know it was going to cost this much. And it was categories mm -hmm. and the highs and the lows and, blah, 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 and 40 to whatever thousand dollars signed done. And I looked at him and I said, so don't freak out. I can pay you in full today, but I need to know. And I'll have nothing left. Let's put that caveat there. No savings mm -hmm. left, just paycheck to paycheck at that point. Yeah. What happens? if I can't. And this guy, I will always be grateful to him because he's on the clock lawyers. And that's not a criticism. That's lawyers. They're on the mm -hmm. clock. He stopped and he answered my questions. And he said, this is what I hear people do. This is what happens. And basically to sum it up in a nutshell, people put themselves in extreme financial ruin, make terrible financial situation mm -hmm. decisions, sorry, make terrible financial decisions, like cash out their 401k, take the equity out of their house. And I'm not saying these aren't necessary decisions. So no one get me wrong here. But what I'm saying is they're not smart financial decisions. We all know that. And I don't want people to have to make these decisions to bring a kid home. Yeah. So help us adopt was born. I didn't know exactly what it was, but in that moment, sitting in my lawyer's office, because I was mad, I was mad that people were getting halfway down the adoption road and having to abandon ship and being completely financially destroyed and no child. I was mad that people were having to make the decision of I'm going to be childless, not by choice huge difference in choosing that life yeah. and not choosing that life because yeah. of money. And I was pissed, pissed. Yeah. I was so mad about these strangers in life that I don't even know that I got in the car to drive home with Kip, my husband. And I'm like, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do it? And yeah. that started it. And, um, it, it took me a little bit because then I had to get through my own fog first. Okay. So that was in January, 2000 four, five, sorry, January five. Jane was born in October. As I already mentioned, um, I moved to New York with a three month old baby, which crazy. <laughs> you don't recommend unexpected. that was unexpected. We sold our house in Philadelphia. We upheaved when the dust settled in early 
2006. So it didn't take me that long. Mm -mm. I was at a meeting and who I actually just saw this friend last week. And they said to me in the meeting, they said, I was a publicist. I had my own PR firm, PR marketing branding. And they said to me in this meeting, when you're done with being a publicist, what are you going to do? And I was like, what do you mean? I'm so insulted. I'm like, what do you mean done? I, I have a great company and make a good living. And he said to me, he goes, I've known you. I've worked with you. There's more behind those eyes. What aren't you telling me? I told mm. no one. I don't even think I told my husband what I had truly been thinking about. Yeah. And I told him his name's Jack. And I told him. And um, he looked at me in the end of the conversation. He goes, when are you thinking you're going to do this? I go, I have no idea. And he goes, well, yeah. I don't know what you're waiting for. And that was February of 2007. I went home. Three days later, I had the business plan for helpusadopt.org because the problem that I found out immediately, I was originally going to take on a grant organization as a pro bono client. Mm -hmm. That was, I can't write any checks at this point in my life. I still can't write any checks at this point in my life. But back then I was like, I can give you pro bono services, which is a huge check. But yeah, yes. I didn't agree with this definition of family and definition mm -hmm. of adoption that all these grant organizations had back then and sadly still have today. And I'm, I, I'm grateful for the work that they do, but I don't agree in any way, shape or form on telling someone who you love what color your skin is, who you worship, and how you identify is how we're going to define whether you get to become a parent or not. I won't yeah. do it. So I had to write this inclusive, non-discriminatory, non-religiously affiliated adoption grant program. We give grants up to $20,000. Our doors are open to all, and I mean it. Yeah. I mean it. it, it it's not a joke. Yeah. Um, and I wrote this. I love, wow. I love the, where the seed was planted. I love that story of you being in the lawyer's office and then how it just snowballs into what it is today. And I know you have a ton of information on your website. I've dove into it about, you know, the process and um, the qualifications. And can you tell me like three quick things that you want waiting adoptive families who yeah. are yeah. struggling financially and need help, what do they need to know about helpusadopt.org? Besides so, which all the great things you've already yeah, told us. I mean, here's the deal. So I know what is out there on the adoption grant landscape. So mm -hmm. let's be very clear that I know who is out there. I know what is out there and I know how they operate. Helpusadopt.org is our own world. Mm. We are transparent. Like, you want to know how much money I'm giving away? Let's start with last year because the numbers are easier. Last year, I gave away a million dollars and it built 103 families. Average grant was 10. Largest grant was 20. Smallest grants, probably four or five. Okay. Um, you want more specific numbers? You're going to have to email me in my office when I can look it up. But that's what's in my head. <laughs> this year, we're giving away $1.2 million. So, Things I see on, on social media, but criticisms about grant organizations, they don't talk to us. Here I am. Find me on social media. Send me a message. I'm not kidding. 
Mm -hmm. I'm the one who will respond to you. If it's a real technical question, I'm going to send you to Aaron, our program director, um, <laughs> because we have employees who have full jobs, like, and I don't know everything anymore. Um, but yeah. I'm here. I, I'm in the trenches with you guys every single day of my life, and I'm not leaving. So that's the first thing that we do that's mm -hmm. different. Second thing that's different, I tell you exactly how much money I have. This year, 2023, we have $1.2 million to give away. We've given away two cycles. The next, we get four cycles a year. Next cycle's okay. August. Deadline is July 15th. The next cycle is Ooh. November. And all the deadlines are on the website. And the thing is this, don't freak out if you're listening and you miss a deadline. Do not freak out. There's another cycle coming, okay? And then next year, there will be more cycles. Helplessadopt.org, I built this. We're not going anywhere. This is a yeah. solid entity, okay? There's no worrying of if there's no grant money tomorrow. There's grant money, okay? I'm telling you, it's here. That's the other thing. If you apply, we tell you what we're giving away this year. There's no shady business of there's no grant money to award, okay? Mm -hmm. That's one thing. There's no application fee either because I'm not taking your okay. grocery money. Not doing it. I will raise the money another way. Other organizations, they want your application fee because that is how they raise a significant portion of their money. I we see. aren't doing that. Um, the last thing I want to tell you, well, actually, I have two more things. Sorry. Number one, yes, I get way too many applications a year. We get $14 million mm -hmm. of requests a year. I'm giving away 1.2 this year. So some people's attitude, and I see it on social media, is don't bother applying. It's like winning the lottery. Mm. And my answer back to those negative Nellies is this. Why not you? It's $1.2 million. That's a lot of money. Average grant, $10,000. That's a lot of money. Potential to have 20. Um, that's a yeah. lot of money. It's a gift. Why not you? If you definitely not you, if you don't apply, definitely you not you really need it. Now, if you're going to apply and you really don't need it, that's obvious to us. Okay. Yeah. But if you really need it, why not apply? Nothing we yeah. ask you is out of line with what you've already supplied for home studies, et cetera, et cetera. This application's online. It's super easy. You can save your work. And this is my last piece. There's a personal statement. I get asked all the time, what makes for a successful application? Well, number one, tell us the truth. That's the first thing. Number two, fill it out completely. That's the second thing. But number three, you have a personal statement. We give you 2,500 words, I think, which is a couple pages. It's good. Use them. Tell us. The same way you want to be yourself in your profile book, we need to know. You know, I, I often think like what if I had to write a personal statement asking for grant help, what would I say? You know, don't just yeah. tell me you want to be a parent because guess what? Everybody who applies to us, all 1,200 a year want to be a parent. We need to know who you are. We need to know the real you. We need to know like why. I don't know. I'm just going to make this up again. This is not a bullet point verbatim outline, but like, you know, for Becky Fawcett, well, I'll use myself as an example. I'm the oldest of five kids. I, all, my youngest sister is 20 years my junior, and there's three boys in the middle. I basically, they all joke that I was half their mother growing up. Um, 
I always knew I was going to be a mother, but it was a question of when, because I wanted to have a career and I wanted to travel the world. And I didn't realize when I was doing all that, that I was going to be old at 31, that my eggs were going to be crap at 31. <laughs> like, you know, I didn't know that. Um, you know, right. and so, you know, a young girl, a college girl asked me a week or so ago, if I could go back, knowing everything I know now, would I have had babies immediately, biological pregnancy, immediately when I got married at 26? And yes, I know that's very young to get married. People don't typically get married that young anymore. Um, and I really, truly think that my answer is no. I wouldn't have done it. And now two things. Number one, Becky Fawcett would have thought that that was hooey and I could still get pregnant. <laughs> so that's the first thing about my personality and my bullheaded. Yeah. But I wouldn't trade my time as a married couple for anything mm. without children. I wouldn't trade my travel with for anything. And I love my career. I'm very proud of my career and it is part of who I am. Now, again, that's, we're talking about me. Okay. But right. Those are some of the pieces that I would put in a personal statement and just be like, yeah. you know, and, and everybody's different. Some people are cancer survivors and they share that story with us and how they are alive today and happily together with someone, but they don't have their fertility anymore. Um, yeah. You know, people in the LGBT category share with us some of the struggles they've had. Single women, single men, they share with us yeah. some of the struggles they've had in coming to this decision and why they should not give up on parenthood. And that is my message to all of you. You do not give up on parenthood. If this is something you want to do, that you will not feel whole, there are people like us who will help you. We will encourage you. We will read your story and celebrate you. And I am sorry I don't have $14 million to give out. If anybody knows someone who wants to give us $14 million a year, <laughs> I, I'm all for it because I'm ready yeah. to give out that money. I'm not holding back yeah. because I want to. I'm holding yeah. back because we don't have it yet. But every day we shoot for more. Every day I want to build more families. I want to take this financial pressure off people. I want to bring yeah. more kids home. I want to make this an yeah. easier, easier road for everybody. Um, and by everybody, I mean, everybody. Um, yeah. You know, um, I've actually, you answer, like I have had a couple questions <laughs> and in all of those points, you've answered them all. Um, and we do need to wrap up for today. I love, love, love this conversation. And I always do the same wrap up with all of my guests. Um, you and I actually have talked about a couple other topics that we just want to dive in and make right. whole podcasts for. Um, because we focus on the weight and you talked about how awful your weight was and we felt that with you. Do you have one to two things that you could recommend to people who are waiting right now to turn their time from that just waiting on the couch with Chinese food into a, just a more positive expectant, you know, when we're, when people get pregnant, it's such an expectant time. How can we as waiting adoptive parents be more hopeful and expectant? What advice do you have for us, Becky? My real piece of advice, and I did it this way. I went it alone. I don't know what I was thinking. 
you know, I, I'm not a support group type of girl. Like I really don't want to sit around and tell you how woe is me I am. I like to, I'll acknowledge how crappy something is, but I need to keep, as I told you at the beginning of this podcast, I need to just do, I need to keep moving. So that is my advice to you. Number one, don't go it alone. And if you're sitting here listening, going, I don't know anybody to talk to, but then find me on social media, message me, me. message me. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I hate Twitter. It's very mean, especially in the adoption land. So you will not find me on Twitter, but Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Becky Snyder Fawcett, also helpusadopt.org. But I'm here. It's not an empty offer. I mean, I can't talk to you on the phone for six hours all night because I don't talk on the phone for six hours all night, but I will message (laughs) you back and you will have a friend who has made it through upright and don't go it alone. Okay. And don't, There is a light at the end of the tunnel. It is not the oncoming train. It is a terrible wait, but you really, you know, you need to surround yourself with people who understand because it is sort of incomprehensible what we all go through, to be honest with you. Um, And people who haven't done it, they do not get it. Their hearts are in the right place. They really try hard, but they do not get it. So do not go it alone. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I think if you talked to probably any p- adoptive parent who has already been through that weight, and it's one of the main reasons I started this podcast is just so people feel less alone while they're waiting. There's, you know, and we understand we've been through it. It's not just you. That's the other thing. What co- When my book kept going out 29 times and the agency told me it usually only took six to nine books to get placed. I sat there going, what the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and it turns out the agency was having that trouble with everybody because they were working with too many families at one time. So they couldn't yeah. place us. It, it yeah. Couldn't. And so, you know, had I been talking to the right people, I wouldn't have been so depressed eating Chinese food on my couch in sweatpants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have been because I would have understood that there was a different problem at hand, you know, and yeah. now I needed to advocate for myself in a different role. And that's my other thing. Sorry. One more thing, Lise. Do not sit back and accept the silence from your adoption professionals. They hate me for saying that. And you're welcome. Do not (laughs) accept their silence. If you Mm. need a tactic on how best to write the email that is polite, but forceful, again, you can message me, but do not accept their silence. They are making you wait longer. Okay. And they're dealing with someone who is a little more vocal. So you need to advocate for yourself. Uh I'm sorry. You're exhausted. I'm sorry. Your heart is broken, but you've got to pick yourself up and advocate for yourself. And, um, I, it will work. Okay. And just do not accept their silence. Yeah. Becky, I know you are incredibly busy. I loved hearing your story and how your story birthed helpusadopt.org. I encourage everyone to pull up your website, check it out, um, follow you on social media so they can get your support and ask you any questions they have. Um, And I can't wait to, um, talk to you about more topics and have you on again. Thank you. I know it's going to be great. Thank you so much.